Shit. Bam, look at this. Already. I know. Look at this. <laughs> How's it going, man? I'm your host, DJ good. Deuce, and I'm with my co-host, Bam Boots. What's up, Bam? Yeah, what's happening, bro? What's good? What's going on? Oh, uh, man. man uh, we got, uh, you know, we don't usually do one in the afternoon, but, you know, nope. it's nice to have this, you know? We have a special guest coming on. He's a comedian, you know? Let's get mm. him on the show. It's 2 o'clock. It's yeah. you know, episode 106. Ah, uh, it's gonna be a, oh, who's oh, oh, there we go. We got Iraq. This is early for Iraq. This is Iraq from Vancouver, Word. all the way in the West Coast. How you been? Yeah, it's been a while for sure, buddy. Ho- hope things are doing well. I know he's going through some rehab on his knee. All the wish him all the best. Mm-hmm. Let's get our special guest on here. He's a comedian. It's Sean Eli. What's going on, Sean? How, you, how are things, buddy? Sean, things are good. And hello, Vancouver. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> He's uh, a good friend of ours. We actually met him through this whole like rap battle thing that we were hosting, like not hosting, we're a part of. We're interviewing some of those, some yeah. of the winners, and uh, he's been a big friend friend of the shows, and that's how we got hooked up. So it's nice, it's nice to see him back. Cause I know he's been rehabbing his knee. So all the best to you, Rock Man. So well, one of my favorite comedians from Vancouver, but Who's of course. That? I'm- Ophira Eisenberg, and I'm American, so we captured her, and she lives here now. So, (laughs) (laughs) isn't that what you guys end up doing to us anyway? Just capturing all the Canadians with talent. Yeah, (laughs) it's the way to do it. it. You want to make it? You come to New York. You want to get famous and not be as good? You go to LA. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and if you want to make some money, well, you got to go down 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 south for sure. You know, here yeah. <laughs> taxes are a little bit high over here, Ooh. and they're, obviously our Canadian dollar ain't worth shit. So, um, anyways, so Sean, let's get right into it, man. Where were you born and raised? I was born, unfortunately, in Queens, New York, same place our former president was born and raised. Mm-hmm. Ain't nothing wrong with Queens. Which part of Queens? Bayside. Right. Bayside. Where are you from? I'm from East Flatbush. I'm from New York myself. You know what I mean? So don't worry about it. We good, baby. You know what I mean? My parents are from Brooklyn. There you go. They escaped as adults and moved to Manhattan. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) I still got family out before I rock away. You know what I mean? So we good. We still good. We good. Queens is good. Queens is good. You know, a lot of great rappers from Queens, you know? So, you know, you know, growing up, so who was some of your comedian influences? Um, probably Robert Klein, I would say, mm-hmm. his influence, and unfortunately, um, Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Only, only a comedic influence, not a crime mm-hmm. influence. Mm-hmm. 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 It always, you know, because there's always certain things that you're just like, damn, man, that kind of ruined some of my. Well, you know what I mean? Like, I get that. Because what do you? You got to give him. You got to give him credit for what he did. Oh, you know? I get I mean, it. You know, he's I, a comedian. He's yeah. good. Give him his credit. You know. But you also got to say he fucked up. You know what I'm saying? You got to, yeah. you know, you got to say it, he fucked up too. So, well, Woody Allen too. I would say Woody Allen did stand up while it was very funny. And just so we're clear, I don't have a daughter. Mm. <laughs> but see, okay. as a, Sean, as a DJ uh, at weddings, I would play R. Kelly, and I would have women getting mad at me. Turn that <coughs> off. You know what I mean? You're just like, oh, you know what I mean? So at one point, I was like, I was like, you know, the Michael Jackson thing came out. Do I play that? You know what I mean? Like, mm. you know, I was restricted on what I do at a wedding without trying to, to offend somebody. So, but you saying that he's a comedic influence, you're you're right because what he did is on stage or on you know in his in his, in his uh you know on his show, the Cosby Show is is brilliant. But then you know, but that was also before he got caught. 
So nobody knew that he was a, a, is, a, yeah, so a fucked so up crazy. person at that yeah. time. Yeah. The, the, fu- the only fucked up thing about Bill Cosby is uh, it's how he judged everyone about everything else. Yeah, that's does. true. That's what the <laughs> fucked up part was. Ju- judging people at their comedy act and stuff and how you shouldn't do this and talk about that. And this guy. Or, or even, you know, pull up your pants. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. he's pulling down people's pants. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. So now, how did you get into stand-up comedy? A woman talked me into trying it. Uh, what? I, yeah, I was on a date. Well, let me put it this way. I have some friends who are actors, and I never wanted to be an actor. Mm-hmm. I was in the fifth grade play, and I hated it and never wanted to be on a stage again. And then I was on a date with somebody, and she said, you're funny. You should try stand-up. And I said, I don't want to perform. Mm-hmm. And she said she had just taken a comedy class, and I should go see her class performance. And I did, and they were better than I thought they'd be. And I'm like, wait, I can do this. And I took the class, and That's six cool. years later said, I don't want to work on daytime anymore. But now here I am in the daytime. So <laughs> yeah, true enough. Uh, we got lucky this year. We got yeah, lucky this as, year. Has a woman ever made you do something that you didn't think you'd want to do at first? Yeah, get a haircut. Get, oh, oh yeah. From yeah. someone who didn't know how to cut hair. Oh, you know so what I mean? So you hair? can Oh yeah. So you oh. could tell you could tell the hair was all fucked up. See, you oh. know what I mean? So this is why I appreciate my barber. You know but wait a minute, I mean? wait a minute. Did she sleep with you after she cut your hair? No, 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 no. Should have just lied on the air. Screw that. I the, the I got. What's her name? We got to send her nasty letter. Yeah, we we got to get. Oh her on no, here. no 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 no! She <laughs> know who it is. She know who it is. We got to get her on here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> I I got. I remember I got forced in the. A woman made me eat sushi. I was like, fuck, mm. I was like, that thing looks disgusting. Now I'm in love with it now. Like I thank her today. But I remember throughout <clears> the whole day putting these fucking things in my mouth, being like, please don't puke, please don't puke. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> like, hey, I'm freaking out. I'm like, and at the end of the day, she's like, do you, do you, do you know? I didn't even know if I liked it because I was so concentrated on not puking. But mm-hmm. later on in life, I end up, I end up loving it. But the things we do for some women sometimes, you know. Yeah, but wait a minute. So I have to say, if you did puke and she still slept with you, that's a keeper. That's true. Yeah, yeah, Thinking about that's that. true. I wouldn't sleep with me true. either. Man, we suck, man. I know. I know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know try all sorts of fucked up shit for no reason, you know? True enough. So, um, what, what's your process on writing jokes? I really don't even know how to figure that out. I just stuff occurs to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes, like the formulaic jokes, like you see on late night television about politicians or stuff like that, those are pretty easy to write because you just take two things and you contrast them. Mm-hmm. So, that's like like when Trump was president, you might say, you know, Trump met with Putin. One of them's a tyrannical, homicidal, madman dictator, and the other one's Russian. You know that you just <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. pretty easy. But uh, stuff that's a little more complicated. Sometimes I take a story, something that happened in my life, mm-hmm. and I just twist it a little bit. Well, as an example, when I started in comedy, I would watch, you know, listen to a Bill Cosby record. I loved the way he told stories about his life, and I would think, I wish I had stuff in my life that I could tell stories about, but I've had a boring suburban you know, life. Mm-hmm. And then I realized oh, I did have stuff, and you take a few details and you twist them, mm-hmm. and you've got a story. And yeah. uh, I was listening, to, I was driving to a gig and listening to Gary Goldman, a great American comedian on a podcast, and he was talking about depression, and a joke popped into my head that... Um, I could never commit suicide because I'm too much of a perfectionist to actually finish a suicide note. <laughs> and, and I like pulled over on the side of the road and I started writing and you know I had about two minutes of material and went to the gig and tried it out. But then strangely enough, and he wasn't talking about suicide or suicide notes, he was just talking about depression. Mm-hmm. Later on, he came out with the same sort of joke but the opposite. He said he could never commit suicide because he hates writing. 
Oh, okay, okay, okay. But uh, and sometimes I just wake up in the middle of the night with stuff in my head. I could imagine. Right, wow. So now, now you something pops in your head. What do you what do you do? Is it pen and paper? Well, now immediately. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I know the younger generation will use a cell phone, but I can write quicker than I can type on a phone. Yeah. By the time oh I my god, it, I I just wrote. I just actually to the reason Ophira Eisenberg was on my mind. I just wrote to her about a gig, and I, I sent her an email yesterday, and she didn't respond. And I thought, well, a text would be more immediate. And I sent her a text, and I've got to learn to turn my phone sideways to make the keyboard bigger because oh, I'm yeah. typing. What I wrote was, "Please check your email about a paying gig, Sean." Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky I, I proofread because autocorrect changed it to, "Please check email about praying for Sean." And I'm like, "Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> those autocorrects! I, I, it's only." I've read them, you know, and you see them online, you see the autograph. It's happened only once. I it was a good friend of mine, nothing sexual. We were always good friends. And I said, hey, get ready to party on my body. But I was, I was trying to say birthday. So, <laughs> <laughs> said, and I went, oh, shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Didn't proofread, you know? And she's like, what? I'm like, no, no, no. On my B-Day, birthday, not body. Oh, but, yeah. You would think B Day would be something it would be in the texting dictionary. And I never, mm. and you know, some ones need to notice that I will never write the word duck. It is fuck <laughs> that I write it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you know and why? Just, More people say fuck than duck, and that's why it changes it. And mm. every time duck, I'm like, no, 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 come on, man. Now that'll just ruin my whole thing. There's no more anger in my text message anymore, yeah. right? Well, there's also no context. For instance, I had a GPS before there were GPS and phones, I had a GPS. And it told me to get off this exit in Manhattan. It said, get off on Riverside Doctor. And I'm like, no, DR period means drive. Yeah, yeah. Sign, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so true, man. It's so true. Oh, so now, Sean, now I want to know, you're on stage. There's that asshole right over there. You know, he decides to be a heckler. He's, he's giving you a hard time. How do you handle that? Do you have well, any stories? Does that ever happen to you? Yeah, it happens to everybody. And I think... As a profession, we brought it on ourselves because if you talk back in a Broadway show, they would just grab you and throw you out. There'd be no conversation. True, mm. true. But comedians have engaged with the audience, and so sometimes people think it's part of the show. Mm. And there are some comics who like it, and if it's an intelligent conversation, it's not bad. But I've learned a few things. One is if you dress decently on stage, you get heckled a lot less. So the comedian who goes on stage in a T-shirt and jeans – is going to get talked back to much more than like now I'm just wearing a collared shirt. It's a polo shirt. It's not all buttoned down, Mm -hmm. but even this and shoes will get more respect than, than sneakers and a t-shirt. And because I guess just in their brain, like, you know, he's management. I don't know. But the thing to do is first you try to ignore them and then you try to be polite to them. Mm -hmm. And then you got to slam them if you have to. But one of the things (laughs) is it's, It's usually somebody in the front, right? Because people mm. in the back are not going to yell across the room. True. It's usually somebody in the front. And unless they're loud, the rest of the audience can't hear them. Mm-hmm. So if you start slamming them immediately, this happened when I was new. I was like giving somebody shit up front. No one, no. And nobody knew why. And they're like, why was he being mean to that person? Yeah. And so you got to repeat what they say. But sometimes you stare at them. You pause. I found if you ask their name, they're no longer anonymous. Oh, and yeah. now, like, it's personal. Now it's a little harder than to talk back. I like that. I like mm. that. But we also learn there's different kinds of hecklers. The worst, it's a bachelorette party. Every comedian will say this. And the reason is, <laughs> at a bachelorette party, the bride-to-be, the whole world is supposed to revolve around her that night. 
All her mm -hmm. friends are making a big deal about her. But then she goes to a comedy club and it's not about her anymore. Wow. And she's drunk. So that's. Yeah. At mm -hmm. least guys, when we have bachelor parties, have the decency to go to strip clubs. Yeah. Yeah, it's still and, about us. <laughs> and, and, and we're assholes. We, we throw bachelor parties not even about the bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? If I were on stage at a comedy club and the bachelorette party were sticking $10 bills down my pants, maybe I would let them keep talking. True. They can mm. say whatever they want. They can heckle me about what's going on down there, too. I totally get that. But <laughs> but there's this one, talking about bachelor parties, Sean, there was this one time we couldn't get a friend. His wife wouldn't let him out. Wouldn't let him out. Like, didn't matter what. We almost created a fake Facebook friend. To create that he was going to get married with a fake bachelor party. <laughs> it almost happened. It, someone else eventually did get married, but it was this close to being like created an account, like Photoshop some photos with him and, you know, tell his wife that he has no choice, to, you know, to come out for the bachelor party. But but that was more on a selfish tip of us because we wanted everyone to go out. But but the bachelorettes. Now, my question is, at, at a comedy club, is there something in the air that makes everything fucking funnier? Reefer smoke? Is that what it is? I, I I don't smoke. I come to a comedy club. I don't know if the same joke is funnier outside or I'm dying of laughter inside. Well, there's a few a few reasons. One, alcohol definitely helps loosen people up. Yes. Mm. Yeah. But also, you're in an environment where you go there to laugh. And I say the secret to comedy mm. is a hundred people in a room that holds seventy. And the reason is everybody's packed close, and the ceilings are low, the walls are mm. close in, and laughter echoes. Wow. And when you hear other people laughing. You start laughing. It's an addiction. Mm. It gets yeah. So, so the, yeah. So the more other people are laughing, the more you laugh, and it, it spreads. So that that definitely helps. Yeah, and also, fun. we're fucking funny. Doesn't that count? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just yeah. wondering if that same act would be funny at my house. I, I don't know. Like I'm always like, because I've never, I you know, I've never had a bad time at a comedy club. It is one of the best places to go. It's a great place to bring a date. I think it's fucking yeah. fantastic. You know. I'm, I'm glad you think it's a great place to bring a date because sometimes what happens is this is talking about heckling. Your date says, why don't we go to a comedy club, mm. like on a first date, and the guy wants to talk. He wants to be the center of her attention, mm. right? But now there's a guy on stage who's just paying attention to the guy on stage, and the guy on stage is making him laugh. True. And her date's not making her laugh. So he feels like he's got to outdo the comedian. That's why he oh, starts talking. Bad. Mm, terrible. I'm too nah, nah. It's about me. I yeah. want to laugh, too. You, know? yeah. well, you have a good attitude. <laughs> But, I mean, it would be as funny in your house, but there wouldn't be as much laughter. I mean, no, I get it. I get it. I get that. When someone and, the laughter and the energy, right? Yeah. And here's the – and also, you say that – it also builds. The, and you're in Canada. Canadians are much smarter than Americans when it comes to stand-up comedy. Because <laughs> in American comedy clubs, generally, the MC, the first person on stage, is the newest comic, and they've got the hardest job. They've got to warm up the audience. They've got to get people laughing. Because people just came out, you know, they've been waiting in line. They came from a, maybe a hard day at work. Uh, they're having trouble with their family. They sit down to laugh, but you really got to get them going. Mm -hmm. And But in Canada and pretty much everywhere else in the world, the MC is one of the better comics in the show. But what you've got is you've got people who get gotten you used to laughing. So you say, is the joke that the comedian tells an hour in as funny as in your house? Well, maybe an hour in it would be, but not if you just walked in the door and started yeah, 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 I can get that. I get that. Dig it, yeah, yeah. Dig it. You know, name your favorite venue to perform at. I perform in theaters a lot, and it's so nice to perform in a theater. It's so weird. You go to a comedy club, and you walk in, and, and it's crowded, and maybe the comedians have to huddle at the bar before the show or during the show, and they basically say, 
you stand over there, stay out of the way, don't trip the waitress. Mm-hmm. He'll tell you when it's your time to come on stage. And you go to a theater and sometimes you drive up and there's a guy at the entrance with a headset and he's like, the artists are here. And he opens the door and he walks you into a green room and they hand you a menu and they say, just whatever you want, let us know and tell us when you want to eat dinner. And it's just a different level of treatment. But any place we get to go and make people laugh is good. So mm-hmm. I'm not putting down comedy clubs. They're a great place for it. Yeah. Now, so you now you're writing your material. You get ideas. <coughs> when or how do you get the chance to practice your material before you get on stage? Well, it's, that's really a two-part question because there's fine-tuning the material and there's rehearsing. And yeah, I've discovered right. during the pandemic that what I re- – because I'm a better writer than performer. I've needed to rehearse and I never did. And I've been rehearsing at home. Just walking around the house, just talking to the walls has made me more energetic on stage. So that's definitely helped. It's people say, Oh, you can't, you can't rehearse. You got to just go in front of an audience. That definitely helps. But new jokes I'll write and you can go to an open mic night and see how it goes. But at least mm-hmm. in New York, that's just other comedians waiting for their turn on stage. Most of them are new yeah. and it's tough. So you you know, sometimes you try a joke. You don't open with a new joke, and you don't close with a new joke. You sandwich, oh, nice. yes. sandwich it somewhere in the middle, and if it doesn't work, you you know you abandon it. And maybe try it a little differently next time. Nice method. I like that. Hmm. That's cool. Although I break that rule all the time because if I think of a joke driving to a gig, I'm so excited I want to open with that joke because I'm so enthusiastic about it. And it seems to work okay. Hold on, we got a question from Iraq from from Vancouver. Musical acts have turned it turned to streaming performances online. Can a stand-up comedian pull the same thing off? Um, that's a good question. Um, it's harder. We've yes. been doing we've been do, we're doing Zoom shows. I did a Zoom show today is Saturday. I did a Zoom show two nights ago uh, for a high school PTA, and it's it's harder because there's a delay. You know, I talked about you need to hear laughter, you need, yeah. but there seems to be about a second delay on Zoom. So you tell a joke and. You pause where you think there's going to be laughter, and if there's no laughter for a second, the temptation is to just keep going. Mm. And that doesn't work because then you're stepping on your laughter. People start laughing a little bit later, and you don't hear them because on Zoom, you don't, you know, when one person's talking, you don't hear all the other voices. Yeah. It's a lot harder to do that, but we're getting better at it. Some of us are sort of figuring out the medium, but, you know, it's taking some time. Oh, that's good. You that's find good. it just a tad like you just you know, obviously you wish the crowd was there. You know what I mean? Like do you yeah. just find it it's a little a little strange to get started without having the actual crowd in front of you? Well, the good thing is, depending on what the view is, I did a, a Zoom show, I emceed, I opened the show, and the next comedian up saw there's you know a grid on Zoom with all the different faces. Okay. And the bottom half is people who just you know don't have their face displayed. You know, they they don't have the image. That's right. And that's that's annoying because you want to talk to them. Ah, but, okay, okay, okay. but she was talking to the people she could see and she's like, you know, Joe, that's a nice kitchen. You must be rich. What do you do for a living or whatever? Nice. Yeah, and, yeah. and just get a conversation going. That's nice. yeah. Well, plus, the, you know, the people, you get, you get the vibe, you get the energy of the room, you know what I mean? Well, that's everything. It's even live you performance, know. so, bam, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? That would be the same thing with a musician, right? They still probably pr- would prefer that, that energy from the people, yeah. right? So, yeah. But, you know, there's also... I guess on Zoom, there's less of a worry. Well, of course, stuff happens. Somebody, you know, the phone rings or you got an older couple. They don't realize their mic is live and they start talking to each other. And everybody <laughs> hear it. Yeah. But in a comedy club, you know, the, wait, the waitress might drop a tray of drinks and everybody turns to see what that's about. You've got to bring your 
pension back. So there is stuff that go, or somebody gets up and walks in front of the stage to go oh, to the bathroom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Something that does. Something you'll do, yeah. yeah. You're yeah. Fucking I'm getting old, I got to pee, man, you know. <laughs> my bladder's weak, my bladder's weak. near the door, then. You know, well, that's yeah. what I do. You know, but I'm big, I'm big, you know, I'm 6'4", you know, so I, I definitely get noticed, you know. The comedian be like, hey, you. I'm like, oh, shit, here we go, <laughs> you know. But which is fun. I enjoy it, you know what I mean, because I, 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 I have thick skin, so I don't mind being picked I mean, up, you know what I mean? Just say I'm la- you made me laugh so hard I have to pee. <laughs> True enough. Um, what's, what, what's the most memorable performance in your career so far? Wow. Um, I don't know. That's... Tomorrow's? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I tend to forget. Here's the here's the good thing about, you know, I started a little older than most comics. Mm-hmm. And there's some wisdom that comes with age because if you're 20 and you have a terrible show, you're miserable for a week. Mm. And if yeah. you're 40 and you have a terrible show, you're like, yeah. well, something went wrong. If I, I, I record most of my shows. Like, I'm going to look at the video. I'm going to think about what went wrong and make sure it doesn't happen again. And by the way, I have a show tomorrow night and I'm going to do better tomorrow. So as an example of that, I did a show uh, at a theater in Connecticut and just one joke that I've been telling about an ex-girlfriend just didn't get a good reaction. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what I did differently. And I watched the video. I'm glad I recorded it. I watched the video and I looked angry when I told the story about it. Uh, I'm like, so they it didn't look and it's, it's not even a girlfriend I'm angry with. Yeah. Right? We're mm-hmm. friends, but uh, I realized I've got to tell that joke with a smile on my face just to remind myself, oh. don't sound angry. Mm. And it's been fine since, but it, 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 I get the delivery. I guess so, right? Because you're like, oh man, he's really in into it. You know what I mean? You're just you're not telling the joke now. You're just telling us the story, right? So that's what it looks. <laughs> yeah, I can see that yeah. with the delivery. Yeah. Well, there's actually one memorable show. I did a show with two colleagues at a synagogue in Ohio, mm-hmm. and one of the things we do at the end of shows is we take questions from the audience, and the questions usually it's five or ten minutes, but this was like thirty five minutes of questions. And they were really curious. And one of them said, you know, Dave Chappelle lives like 10 minutes from here. And and I was with my colleague, Wally Collins. And it's like, Dave Chappelle's one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, call him up. Oops. And Wally takes out his phone. And somebody else like, tell him you'll meet him at the Milk Mart or some like local hangout. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we found out Dave Chappelle was in Vegas. So we just got his voicemail. But. I mean, I thought that was pretty cool. He's like, I'm going to call Dave Chappelle from stage and see if he wants to come hang out. So I figured Dave Chappelle owes me. (laughs) I know he watches your podcast. So Dave, call me. Dave, Dave, we'll we'll send this clip over to him. (laughs) So, Sean, so, you know, we talked, we we tried asking about your memorable, uh, you know, your most memorable time on stage. Has there ever been a time where you actually just bombed? Of course. Yeah. How, how, like what's the like what's tell me the feeling from start to finish you're bombing during stage and then afterwards like how do you recuperate how do you get your stuff together and be like well it's this. the worst obviously it's the worst feeling in the world it's like you were playing baseball and you struck out in the ninth inning yeah, that's right um except every and everybody strikes out in the ninth inning i mean mm. people yeah. nobody nobody never has a bad day at work right and sometimes i address it by saying hey do you ever have a bad day at work that's what's happening to me oh yeah, oh, yeah. but i can think of two circumstances one is when I was new, um, I knew I was a decent writer and a not good performer. I was not worried about any of that. My biggest fear was forgetting my material. Oh, and, so, yeah. and so I go on stage at a comedy club and I realize I've just gone blank. 
But luckily, I had a, a set list, a list of my jokes with me, and I said, let's go to the pocket of funny. And I pulled the set list out, I opened <laughs> nice, it up. Nice, and they're nice. laughing at that. And I'm like, yeah. fine, at least I have. So I always go on stage with a list in my pocket, but I haven't had to look at it. Nice. But I also did a show at a singles event, and that was a woman called me up, and she said, we're going to do speed dating. And we before the speed dating, we want to, you have a puzzled look on your face. Should I explain speed dating? No, I know what it is. Okay. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to see the comedian. Lost me. That's why I'm yeah, waiting. That's the, stupid. That's yeah. so. So, she said before speed dating, we want some comedy, and I'm like, they want to meet each other. They don't want to listen to me. I was trying to talk to, talk her out of the gig, and she said, no, no, um, we really want to do this. And I said, okay, well, you got to tell them I'm coming so that they're you know they know it's only going to be a half hour of me and then the speed dating. By the way, what age group is this for? Yeah. Because you can't have 20-year-olds and 70-year-olds. And she's like, oh, it's all ages. And I'm like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So I get there, and she says, we decided not to do the speed dating, so we're just going to have you do stand-up. But, of course, they're all at a bar, like, trying to meet each other. And I'm trying to tell jokes. And I did the best I could. And, you know, some people are paying attention, and others didn't want me there. And and I've explained to people, stand-up comedy is not background music. No. You have people have to pay attention. And that's what that's what the look was on my face. I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to talk to this girl quickly for the speed dating scenario? And then have this comedian I want to listen to at right. the exact same time. That's why I was just like, what the fuck? So so they did announce there would be a comedian before, you know, a happy hour. But people didn't want that. They wanted to meet each other. And afterwards, one of the guys, there's a guy there came over and he said, just looked at me and said, You need better material. Oh. And I got pissed. I said, you know what? I've sold jokes to late night TV hosts. I know my material is fine. I'm a good writer. But the, the fact that you would say something like that to me after I did my best under difficult circumstances yes. proves that what I really needed was a supportive audience and not a bunch of assholes like you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A, a slap across the face wouldn't have been bad either, brother. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but they, they knew who I was, so I couldn't smack him at all. He hit you first. <laughs> he hit you first. I just thought that was my puzzled look. I just couldn't see that that type of event meshing together properly. I was just that's why I was just like, oh, no. I have to turn down gigs here and there because people say, Oh, it would be great, we'll have a comedian. I'm like, it's the wrong place for a comedian. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. There are so comics that- who I mean, sometimes I'm asked to perform at weddings and I say no, there are comics who will perform at weddings, but I'm like what if somebody interrupts me and heckles and won't shut up because Uncle Irving is drunk and I can't shut him up because this is somebody's the biggest day of two people's lives yep. and I don't want to ruin it Oh yeah, and I'm going to get blamed. Oh, trust me. DJing mm-hmm. weddings was the toughest yeah. thing because I'd have the aunt or the mom busting balls about mm-hmm. playing the worst song in history and I was like, fuck my life. You so know? now what I used to do and Alex, what a, a, a friend of the shows, he's a DJ also, he used to get What's your name? And they'd ask why. And we're like, well, we're going to request this song dedicated to you. So when the yeah. song fucking bombs, it's your fault and not ours, right? Because as a That's DJ, it was, hard, it was hard because once the dance floor gets blown up and everyone goes back to their seats because the music sucks, it's hard to get them back. You know what I mean? So yeah. now you don't want to take blame for that. So yeah, it was something that it was, it was like, and then it made them think, 
okay, maybe I don't want to give him my name. Maybe the song is because they come up to me thinking, you know what's going to be really, really funny? So you play the chicken dance, and you're like, no, nah, motherfucker, that ain't funny. You know what I mean? I don't have that song. I, don't, I, don't, I know, and that's the day, the day of the internet. Trust me, they have their phone in my face no. with their little Spotify. Play this. I'm yeah, like, but I don't have the rights to play that song in a way. I'm just a paid gig. I can't do that. I know. I'm like, it's it's every. It was it was. I guess every wedding, but that's how it was. So, you, but you're right. You can't tell certain people off because. It could that person could be mean something. It's someone important to the bride and groom, right? Or you don't know, you know. Right. Well, if the bride and groom asks you, I guess that's different. Yeah, yeah, you kind of have to suck it up. But whatever. And yeah, I mean, y'all talking about this, and I'm thinking the very, very worst case scenario, you end up fighting the whole goddamn family. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> so you know what? It's a no-win situation with that. That's crazy. <laughs> you get somebody's mentally challenged in the front row, and they're talking to you, and you tell them to shut up, not realizing that they've got a mental problem. Yeah, and, and everybody's like, "Why are you picking on Steve?" Yeah, I can go. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely I mean, see that. I did a corporate gig a few years ago, and boy, did they fuck this up. So the guy comes. <laughs> the, guy, the guy who hired me told me. We have a corporate rule against serving alcohol at, at company functions. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. He said, so instead, what I did is I got the company to pay for Visa gift cards. I said there were going to be door prizes for some of the employees, but instead I went to the bartender and I gave him the cards and I said, people here drink free until the money runs out. Mm -hmm. And he tells the employees this, which of course means I better get drunk fast because yep. at some point the bar closes and nobody knows when that's going to be. Yep. So there, half the audience is hammered, and I'm doing I'm doing really well. But there's a guy, and I'm Jewish, and I occasionally mention it in my act. Mm -hmm. And like five or ten minutes before I'm done, there's a guy at a table nearby, and I mention I'm Jewish, and he stands up and gives a Nazi salute. Oh. And what I should have done is said, you know what, you can't pay me enough to deal with this shit. Fuck you all, and walk out. Mm -hmm. But instead, and I, and he'd been disrupted the whole time, and I was trying to negotiate with. But again, in a corporate event, like a wedding, you can't be too mean because you don't know who the guy is. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would say, you know, HR is paying attention or your annual review has been moved to tomorrow. You know, everything to make him think, oh, maybe I've had too much to drink and I should shut up. But he didn't. When he did that, I said, I'll tell you what, I will bet you $20 that you can't shut up until the end of my set. And he's like, done. I'm like, no, put your 20 bucks down. I put my 20 bucks in front of the guy next to him. And I said, you got to put your money down. He put yeah. 20 bucks down and he shut up for the rest of the set. And I said, thank you. Good night. You know, when I finished, I said, yeah. thank you. Good night. And he's like, yeah, I won. He grabbed the money. And I'm like, best 20 oh, bucks I ever like, spent. I won, mm -hmm. dummy. Yeah. And three people came up to me afterwards and handed me $20. And after the first one, I said no to the other two. But I didn't even, didn't even cost me the 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. is, is there a limit to what someone could fucking say to you before you absolutely say, screw this and I'm walking? Because that's, that, if, for if me, that, that is. Yeah. For me, I, that I, would be it. You know what I mean? Like, it would be like, mm, that would be my sign, exit, drop, mic drop, see you the fuck later, right? And I then, think I was new. I think what I should have said uh, is yeah, yeah. inappropriate. Yeah. yeah. You know, you do your best. You want a reference. You hope you can come back. True. It's, and I should have just said, I should have just said, I'm out of here. I don't need your money. No, and I no. and I hope you realize how inappropriate this is. Right. And because if you're if you're the guy who hired me and you hadn't paid me yet, wouldn't yeah. you pay me for that? Even if I just walked 100%. out. One hundred percent. Definitely. You know, and it, it's crazy because if you would have did that and walked out to tomorrow or the next work day, 
he would have been the fucking That's joke. what I'm saying, yeah. You know what I mean? He would have been the joke of the whole game company, you know? Else, yeah. Yeah. And here's the other thing. I learned this, actually. I record my shows. In a situation like that, I don't have a video camera because it would be kind of weird to figure out where to set it up. Mm. But I put an audio recorder on a stool right next to me, and I record the show. And I learned Sarah Silverman did a corporate show, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago. And they said she was inappropriate. And she was supposed to do 30 minutes and she only did 18 or something like that. Oh, wow. Sarah Silverman's reaction to that was, you hired Sarah Silverman. Yeah. What did you, ex you, you got Sarah Silverman. This is yeah. what you expected. And also, I did 38 minutes. I can prove it. I recorded it. Wow. And that was the end of the conflict. Mm. So I record everything because yeah. if somebody pays me for a half hour, I don't want somebody saying you did 26 minutes, even though big deal. Yeah. But. If I have it recorded, I can prove, you know. But it's funny, eh, Bam? Like, see, like, he has to do stuff like that to prove that he actually fulfilled his commitment. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know what I mean? That's crazy how, like, how other, other professions that need to do certain things to, like, fuck oh. you. I got proof that I actually did this, you know? Well, well yeah. I mean, I, most most places you don't need to prove it. So, it would, I mean, it rarely comes up. But if you're if you're a psychologist and you're giving somebody 50 minutes and you start at 9 o'clock and at 9.40 they say, we're done, you just look at your watch and say, no, we're not. That's mm. right. My masseuse, well, I mean, my masseuse fuck, fucked me 12 you, minutes last time. You know, you spend 75 <laughs> bucks for a concert and the fucking rapper shows up two hours fucking later. You oh, know what I mean? You're yeah. pissed. Right. It's like, give yeah. me back my money, bro. You know? Or let's, at least let me get on stage and fucking rap with you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let me get my money's worth, you know? So I could dig it sometimes that you got to prove. You got to be there on time and be professional. You know? I have the opposite. My contract says um, I reserve the right to shorten any show that starts more than an hour late without a reduction in my fee unless it's my that's fault fair. That yeah late. no that's fair because it's it's it actually contracts are kind of funny you may run into this you know wedding djs and stuff. <laughs> um, your contract is like a half a page you just write you know i'm going to do this and you're going to pay me this and then something goes wrong and you're like oh i got to add a clause in the contract he is a hundred percent and the next because <laughs> and i was doing a show at a theater and and a guy's working in the theater said to his boss why are contracts why is there so much stupid shit in contracts you wouldn't and the theater it. director said everything you see in a contract is because some shit went wrong the last time and so now my contract is like three pages just because he's a hundred percent right yeah. shit went wrong every fucking time dude i have to in my contract as a dj ask for a plug because i need a, electricity to run my equipment yeah because they're gonna be like oh i i don't know and you're like where the fuck do i want to plug this thing the dumbest thing. You have to give me enough room to put my equipment. Dude, it just got bigger and bigger. He's 100% right because it, it's all dumb common sense stuff. Wow. Because you have to protect yourself by the time you get to the venue. It's so well, stupid. And I, I've heard comedians showing up and people like, I thought you brought this. You would bring the sound system. Oh, like, my God. I can, but you got to tell me. Yes. And I, I say to them, and this is what I do. Now, you have to bring sound because you're going to places yes, probably yes, you don't have it. This, yeah. Unless I'm going to a private home. I expect if I'm doing a show in the back room of a restaurant that somebody or a bar that they're going to provide it. And I say to them, I can provide it. I charge 200 bucks. You can probably rent one cheaper. Yes. I just don't like the inconvenience of it. And also, I just don't want to bring the shit through in the rain because that's mm -hmm. a pain in the neck. Yeah. But I have a clause in my contract now that I'm going to try to do my best to give it to you word for word. The show may not be moved from indoors to outdoors without my express written consent, which I'm not going to give you. Because <laughs> I showed up, it was actually a country club I showed up at, and it was near my house. And I went there two days before, and I said, "Okay, this is where you're going to put the stage." 
and they didn't have stage lighting and I've since bought stage lighting, but I said, okay, these are the lights I want on. Those are the lights I want off. Mm -hmm. And I even went into the room, the closet with the hell of light switches. And we figured out which switches were which. Yeah. And I put little post-it notes on the switches that were to remain on. And I said, so you're not flipping lights on and off. The ones with the green post-it notes stay on. All the others go off. Nice. Which I thought was pretty smart. Mm -hmm. So the afternoon of the show, I get a call. We're doing the show outside. And this is before I had that clause in my contract. I said, no. And they said, oh, yeah, the members, it's a nice night. The members really want it outside. And I'm like, but no, it's. Yeah. The lighting's not going to be right. The sound's not going to be right. People are distracted. And a colleague of mine is like, and there's mosquitoes. I'm like, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> so, so, but unfortunately we get there and the sound system they had for outside was just a mic and a lectern. <laughs> and the speaker wow. in front of the lectern, which points that way. And we were not like in the grass, we we're on a balcony. So it was like once one aisle with t one, one row of tables to each side. So what I had to do is point the lectern one way and shout the other way so everybody Jesus. could hear me. And it was, the show went, the show went decently well. I, I worked with two really great comics, but boy, was that a stupid idea. They never, ever think about the performance. No, itself. no they don't. No, and I'm like, I'm the expert. You pay me for my expertise. This is what I do for a living. I remember the, the one wedding I had to argue with the wedding venue about it's either going to be me or the fucking popcorn machine. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, well, what are you going to do with the popcorn machine? I'm like, you pick which one you think is more important right now for this wedding. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's me and the popcorn. Was it the I, noise I, was the issue? I needed the plug. I needed that plug. The, the plug? The fucking plug. He can move it anywhere else. <laughs> they didn't have, was nobody crazy. had an extension cord? Everything was taken. Uplighting was taken on the right. And they had those big wall dividers that have no power on them. You no. know? And I was just like, so I had the one plug in my section and it was a popcorn machine. I was like, you had to move that. He's like, well, that's what they want. I said, cool. You have to come to the conclusion, me or the fucking popcorn machine. Like, you know, and he's looking at me like, I'm crazy. Like, I'm making him make the wrong decision. You know what I mean? I was, my mind was blowing. There's been some venues where they're like, do you have enough room? And I said, no. And she went, huh, and walked away. And I'm like, what the wow. fuck does it, why ask if you don't give right. a shit, first of all? That's one. Wow. Two, she tells me at the end of the what I'm trying to set up, that the whole right side of the building has no power. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, I had that happen. You see what I mean? It's, it is, people do not understand before you get on stage or perform, there's a bunch of other obstacles that no one will ever know. Or, you know, the setup, it was incredible. And that there's some people, that their, their minds are just, they don't give a shit about the performance. They think hmm. you're a magic man. You get on stage, you can perform in front of anyone at any time, and, and everything. Right, you're a professional, so you can deal with every problem. Exactly. You're exactly. Like, go ahead, play basketball in a minefield. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly it. You know, it's it's funny, but you're 100 right. I'm happy you brought up the contract. Our contract was three pages. It started off with half a page. Yeah. And I couldn't believe that I had to write stupidity in there to protect myself. I oh, I did. I did a show at a synagogue a few years ago, and um, it wasn't my show. I was a comedian in somebody else's show. There were three or four of us. And they're like, oh, these outlets don't work. I guess we'll have to set up the sound system somewhere else. And there was like, we need an extension cord to set to set it up. Like, we don't have an extension cord. How do you not have an extension cord? And they're like, well, the closet's locked. Oh, and yeah. the, the, rabbi, the rabbi has the key. Let's call her up and get her to come in because the custodian wasn't there. Nobody had the key. And so they go to get the, uh, they call the rabbi and she's on her way in. 
And then she gets there and she said, so what did you need? And they're like an extension cord. I said, why? And we're like, because those outlets on, you know, on this side of the room don't work. And she's like, oh yeah, one of those outlets is broken. So just to make sure nothing goes wrong, we turn, we always keep that circuit breaker off. So none of the outlets work. <laughs> and so she goes and she flips the circuit breaker on. I'm like, and everything was fine. We already moved everything. And I <laughs> It's the best, man. It's terrible, terrible. terrible. Tell you, man, terrible. behind the scenes, man. Wow, wow, wow. What, what's the best and worst thing about your job, brother? Uh, the best thing is I'm self-employed. I work for people I want to work with. Mm. I don't work with people I don't want to work with. Um, I it, Unless I'm flying somewhere, I don't think I'd use my alarm clock. In the, oh, well, obviously, during the pandemic, I've almost never used it. But even before that, unless I have a flight, I don't have to wake up at any given time. Right. Nobody's making me do a show at 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. And, and listen, I get to make people laugh for a living. So that's the best job in the world. The drawbacks are everybody thinks they're an expert on what I do. Right. So, I yeah. so they're like, you know what you should do? You should go oh. on the Tonight Show. I'm like, yeah, you know what you should do? You should be CEO of, of IBM. You don't just <laughs> go on the Tonight Show. Right. Yeah. You know who you should interview? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just that easy. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Paul McCartney, you should interview Paul yeah, McCartney. No problem. no problem. Exactly. It's 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 funny. Everyone is an expert. They just think everything's easy. If you make it seem easy, then they yeah. make it, they think they can do it. That's what it is. And it's a lot of practice. You know what yeah. I mean? But It's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And like I, I try to tell the fans who watch the show that, you know, Deuce, he puts a lot of work in this. You know what oh, I mean? He yeah. puts way more than I do. And I, I admit it. You know what I mean? He's the harder sure worker so. on this one, and I appreciate it. You get what yeah, I mean? But you're an American. He's got to do 30% more work just because the exchange rate. <laughs> yeah, but I guess this inflation is a little bit bigger on this case. So it's about like you, 80%, I think, right, Dad? You know, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. He does, he, does, he does a lot more, you know what I mean? So, you know, and I appreciate it. You know, and I let people know it's the things he's got to deal with. And me, I don't like to talk to people. You, you know what I mean? He, he, he's more of a, you know, I talk to you, text and this and that range and stuff like that. Me, if we if we face to face, we can work it out. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I'll I and I'll hold you to what you said. But All right, you if, want to be face to face? Hold on. All right. <laughs> <Is that> better. <laughs> now he feels at home now. <laughs> there you go. You know, but yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot behind the scenes, man. A lot of people don't 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 even appreciate it. So, Sean, as a comedian, is there something that you just won't touch, won't joke about? That's you know, it's so funny about or funny to me, interesting, not necessarily funny. But I also already mentioned it here. Um, I always thought that I would never do a joke about suicide because I can't see how to make that funny. I even hate when comedians are on stage and they'll go like this, like I couldn't believe I did that, like kill me, mm -hmm. that that kind of thing. And uh, Eric, we're sorry you dumped a bunch of money into equipment during the <laughs> pandemic, but the pandemic's going to end soon. Anyway, I thought I thought I would never do a joke about suicide. And then as I told you earlier, I thought of a joke about suicide. But the joke really isn't about killing yourself. It's about the inability to kill yourself. Yes, yes. That's so right. it's about, you know, being a perfectionist and writing a suicide note and rewriting it and then what happens. And then in the story, I, I sell the suicide note because I'm not going to use it. <laughs> worry about the, getting blamed for the That's person and like why is a suicide like 106 suicide note like 106 pages long with footnotes but do you find as a comedian like you know what i mean we used to watch stuff like richard Pryor and the stuff you know like the stuff that they got away with the wide range of jokes yeah. do you find it's harder yeah. to be a comedian today with the you know the sensitivity but, lines yes you know what I mean? being drawn it's, big time yes 
it's not that much harder for me because I don't tend to do the jokes that piss people off. But occasionally I post something on Facebook and somebody will get offended. Oh, come them. on. You don't I understand. I took a walk on Facebook and uh, someone's going to be pissed off. Yeah. That's that's just the way Facebook But is, if it's right? somebody you're friends with, you don't want to pick a fight. Oh, no. And, no. and just... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, a lot of times they don't realize that you're not making fun of the victim in a joke. Because people will say, you know, you, you can punch up, but don't punch down. Mm. So if, like, right now, Asians are having a lot of trouble in America, a lot of anti-Asian discrimination, mm-hmm. and... If you make a joke that's about racism, that's not racist, people think you're sometimes you're supporting the racism when you're making fun of the racism mm. because they're just so uncomfortable with the topic. But then they'll say, yeah, but just bringing up the topic makes people uncomfortable and you shouldn't do that. And I'm like, I can't help it if shit triggers people. Yes, well, I agree. I, I just don't like the fact that, you know, somebody said something 15 years ago and people are dragging that up now. You, you know what I mean? It's like... If we didn't have the technology we had now, back then, now, you know, they wouldn't even know about it. So why are you dragging something up that doesn't even really matter? You know what I mean? It's been said, gone, and done with. Let that go for a minute, and let's talk about what the current situation is and bring up that. You know what I mean? People just keep pulling things out the hat, the hat from way back. The, oh, this person said this, and that person did that, and da-da-da. And it's like, listen, if this person was like that back then, he's still like that now. You know what I mean? Nothing changed. You, know. you, you know what I mean? Nothing changed. You know. I'm, I'm so glad that they didn't have social media when I was 17, or I would have been in a lot of trouble. But you know, you think everybody said some fucked up shit in their life. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it's like the the editor. They just hired a new editor, Teen Vogue, and they fired her like on her first day or something because of something she wrote 10 years ago. And she's 27, so she was probably 17 when she wrote it. I don't know exactly what they wrote. Mm. What she wrote. They said it was it was racist and homophobic, mm. but. You know, if she'd shot somebody at 17, she'd be out of jail by now. And we'd, we'd mm. you know, decide to rehabilitate her. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You That's know? right. I agree. So agree. It, it depends. I mean, it depends how bad it was. But if right. you accept the fact that somebody admits they made a mistake and learned from it, you know, let them, let them. Now, is she, is she, now that they caught her or, or you know, they, they noticed that she said something about nine, ten years ago, is she fucked for every other position at that Probably. Moment? Well, you know what I mean? That sucks yeah. now. So right now she's full, she'll right she'll be doing freelance gigs till she's sixty because it, nobody will give her a full time. You know what I mean? Like I was a fucking retard when I was seventeen. Yeah, you know? everybody, like, I was a full everybody, dummy. Like I was the, probably the I would I would kick my seventeen year old self in the ass. You know what I mean? Like mm. I see myself and other people. I was like I'm like what a loser. I'm like that was me when I was seventeen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everyone grows up and, and becomes something else. It's yeah. so I don't know. I, I, you're right. I remember because who else wasn't it? The, the um, Larry the Cable Guy got in shit for something he said about. I don't know some some sort of like he made a joke about oh um, the rims outside got you know something about being in the ghetto they got stolen faster than a Puff Daddy concert mm-hmm. something like that and you know and everyone laughed and now it's like oh no he shouldn't have said that and it was like oh, such a long time ago and it's like things that bite you in the ass but the thing is what about all the hypocrites that laughed at those jokes too yeah everybody is part the blame you, you get what I mean and he, he you know I. This is this sucks because I was watching something yesterday and you know they monetized and you know publicized and said it's normal for certain things. You get what I'm saying? And big companies are behind it. You you get what I'm saying? You know, uh, I seen a picture with Martin Luther King standing in front of the bus. You know that that famous imagery. You know, mm-hmm. he's standing in front of a bus with a big Pepsi sign on the front of the bus. And the racist part about that picture is the Pepsi. 
How yeah. would you put? Why would you put your yeah. banner on a bus that tells people that different color you have to sit in the back? So you, you you're just yeah. saying it's okay for it to be what it is. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Somebody and, pointed that out to me, and I'm like, because I would have never put two and two together until someone said it, and I was like, oh shit, that's what I kind of fucked up. You but know even, what I mean? if, even if Martin Luther King Jr. were wearing a shirt and they put it, made, they turned it from a, a blank T-shirt to a Pepsi shirt. That's still, you know, that's not supporting racism, but it's still, how dare you co-opt such an important part of American history and struggle to mm-hmm. sell your product? Right. You, you see what I'm saying? So, yeah. and it's been going on. So it's to the point where, like I said, if you say something this time back in the day and then it comes back and bites, it's like, uh, you know, with the ancient mama, this and that and everything. And it's like, I get it. You understood. Y'all did wrong. Y'all trying to change it. That That's, that's the best way to go about it. You know what I mean? Let's recognize it, change it, and keep moving. You know what I mean? So people get a little too sensitive sometimes. But, but here's the thing. You're, you're talking about Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah. His name is not Larry the Cable Guy. That's a character played by a, a comedian named Dan Witt. That's right. So, um, Or Andrew Dice Clay. Don't now, mean. his name is Andrew Clay Silverman or Silverberg. Yeah, uh, yeah. But that's not even the point. These are characters. So if Andrew Dice Clay is a sexist schmuck, <laughs> yeah. people are laughing and maybe they agree with the sexist schmuck. Maybe they don't. If it's funny, they laugh. Yeah. But, and some people have a problem with that. Nobody has a problem with an actor named Carol O'Connor playing a bigot named Archie Bunker. Mm. That they're fine with. Mm. That's the mm-hmm. character. But when mm-hmm. a comedian is the same That's way. fucking funny, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But, but, then, but then you had George Jefferson. You know what I mean? You had the, the you know the equivalent of the same thing. You know what I mean? But uh, me and you, we're older, so we know about this. You know what I mean? A lot of people, young people, don't understand that that show dynamic, right? You know, you had it. Archie Bunker and the Jeffersons moving on up. Yeah, he was the black version of Archie fucking Bunker. You oh, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So you know what? Everybody was trying to balance Dude, out. He was, he was even then. That, he you was know? calling the kid a zebra because he was half white, half black. On I was and I'm like, and for one second I laughed. I was like, ha ha ha. But then I'm like, fuck, as if they're still playing this on yes, TV. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. But you're right. Yeah. No one's sacked. Like this, they're not crucifying this character. You know, they right. like, or, or the writers, or that's because okay, the, the writer, having, yeah. forget about the writers. Let's talk about the television stations who played it, who who put the money behind this, who pushed this, the big business. You know what I mean? They generalized it and made it marginalized to the point where it's normal. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Sean, you know, I, want your, so, I want your opinion on this. What about South Park? Um, How the fuck I, can they get away without that shit? Um, because it's a cartoon, it's probably a lot easier. But mm-hmm. that's my there's a, so there's an idea behind it. There's a writer. There's a you know the guy's drawing it. There's a, a network that it, yeah puts it mm-hmm. on. And this shit, the stuff that I'm watching, I'm like, oh my god. But if there was humans acting it out or saying it, it would be over. Yep. But now that it's a cartoon, it's yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Well, you know, The Simpsons, I, I had this conversation with somebody recently. The Simpsons, there was a big outcry by a comedian, um, Harry Kondabolu, because he was upset at Apu, who's the Indian character. That's who right. The That's score. Right. And he's like, it's really offensive to him. And listen, I don't have that knowledge or it's hard for me to understand that. Right. I don't, walk I, don't have, yeah. I don't have everybody walking up to me saying, why are you working at 7-Eleven? Mm-hmm. And I used to work with an Indian woman and people would make comments about Indian 7-Eleven and she would say, no, Pakistanians, Pakistanis work in 7-Eleven. Indians are doctors and engineers. <laughs> and I realized that was sort of maybe religious bigotry that she was like Hindus go to grad school and, 
Muslims, you know, work mm. these kind of jobs. Mm. But the thing is, if you watch The Simpsons, Apu is actually one of the very few nice people on the show. That's true. Yeah. He's, he's a, he runs his own business. He's happy. Yeah. He's got a million kids because I think they had eight or nine kids. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. He's the American right. dream. Technically, right. Was, yeah. And he's a loving father and help and helpful father and, and husband. And he's like the only norm, one of the very few normal people on the show. Mm -hmm. The people who should be complaining are like, Cops should be complaining because the police chief is a like moron. A and he looks like a pig character. Yeah, and, and looks like a pig. And the mayor is like, sounds like a Kennedy and you know, he's, he's Irish and he's corrupt. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's so true. It's, it's so true. I tell you, but like it's dead, the portraying of people. But anyways, you know, we got off topic. We got off the topic. We got off the topic. It was fun. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. I haven't left yet. You just tell me to come back. <laughs> You know, I, now, how do you keep busy during COVID? Um, I've been rehearsing, which is like an hour, an hour and a half a day. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm one of the rare people who's actually working out almost every day. Everybody else is like, I'm lying around doing nothing and getting mm. fatter. I'm working out and getting fatter. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been cooking a lot more. I have more time to like bake things. Mm. I made pizza last night. So mm. I've been keeping busy with that. I've been reading a little bit and I've been watching way fucking too much. I know, I know I'm rewatching shit now. That's, that's that's how bad things have gotten over here. So, but um, give me your top five comedians. Top five comedians. Am I allowed to put myself in there? Yep. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I probably wouldn't. Um. Oh, oh, Eric. Oh, I'm sorry. You wrote "Thank you, come again." I didn't hear the accent. I didn't realize it was on food. <laughs> that's right. And I can't do an Indian accent, and if I could, I probably wouldn't anyway. <laughs> Good point. Sorry about same, that. No matter who, who I'm trying to make fun of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so your top five. Um, I can name a lot of very funny people you've never heard of. That's true. So, so that's what I'm going to do. So Why I would not say, do it, yeah. Let me think about this for a second. Uh, and I hope none of them are watching because the other 50 are going to be pissed off. Always. So um, all right. Um, Lori Kilmartin, who writes for Conan. Mm -hmm. uh, Joe DeVito. Um. Al Lubell, who's an American but lives in London now. And the UK, we want him back. <laughs> um, so that's three. Let me think of who else. Dan Natterman, who's a friend of mine, very funny. He's been on Letterman four times. And I'm going to leave the fifth open so that if anybody gives me shit, I can say, oh, you were going to be the fifth. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. I nice, love it. nice. That's the way to do it. Like, yeah. No, it was you that I was going to mention for sure. Yeah. All right, Sean, we play a little game called Versus here. You down to play with us? I'm probably going to embarrass myself. Not but. at all. Not at all. Super simple. Let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! We keep it simple here on Versus, man. It's There's no winners. There's no losers. It's uh, your opinion, and you tell us why. I so probably first, already lost. For the first one is, would be Chris Rock versus Eddie Murphy. Um, as comedians or fighting? Oh, uh, nope, nope, no nope. comedians. We're doing comedians. I want fighting. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen Eddie Murphy. I would say probably Chris Rock. Did and just, you see his new movie coming to America too? I have not seen it yet. Not good? Nope. Uh, well, I'll probably still end up seeing it eventually. You'll have to because there's fuck all on TV or anything, so check it out. But it was a super, super letdown. I don't, you watched it, Bam? I watched it. I watched it. You, you found know. it funny? 
at some things, but you know, I I don't want to I don't want to criticize my people too much. You know what I mean? I want to keep my card. I want to keep my Negro card. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so, I thought you meant Americans. <laughs> <laughs> oh no 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 no! I'm always representing New York, baby. Everywhere we go, you know what I mean? Right. Doesn't matter. Now, do you whole U.S. as a whole? You know, when Trump got elected, I was in Cuba. You know what I'm this saying? Is true. You know, yeah, but right. New York don't matter where I go. Represent New York. You know what I mean? Right. The whole the whole state, right? Eddie Murphy's there. from New York. Chris mm-hmm. Rock. Sean, do you know where Bam's Rock, living right Rock's now? from New York, too. Bam, where do you live right now? Who? I live in Canada. I'm in, I'm in Nova Scotia right now. You didn't know that? Mm-hmm. He's from Nova Scotia. That's where do you I'm live? Me, I'm in Ottawa, Canada, the capital. I, 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 knew, I knew it was a capital. That much I, Canadian geography, I know. I don't know, man. I, I, I went over the border one time, and uh, I was just over the border. I thought they would know a little bit more about us, and uh, yeah. I was a bit. I was like, "Damn!" Like, didn't know anything about Canada Day. Didn't know where I was from. And I was like, "But I'm just an hour and a half away from you." Like, you know what I mean? I was like, "Yeah, whatever. It is what it is." Next one, same thing. Could be movie, stand up, whatever. The next one would be Jim Carrey versus Mike Myers. Uh, I I don't know. Um, Jim Carrey maybe, but neither one would be on like the top of my list. So. No, no, no. I can see that. I can see that. Now this one for me is, is is a bit different. It was more of an old generation versus a new generation. The next one will be, you know, we got Russell Peters versus Richard Pryor. Um, oh, I thought you were going to give me Schwarzenegger versus. Uh, no, Stallone. we're giving you. Oh, I saw yeah. them in the in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. We're we're just we're. Hey, man, you're an expert <laughs> at comedy. We want we want to know your opinion because I'm not, I I I love when I bring this up because someone else would be like I have my own thought and then they'll sell me on their own pitch on why mm. it's someone else. That was Russell Peters versus Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor, Pryor yes. Yeah. Everybody says that the two greatest comedians were Richard Pryor and me. Richard, Richard, <laughs> Richard Pryor and George Carlin. Yes. Um, I don't know if I agree necessarily with that. They certainly both were groundbreaking and, and made a difference in the world of comedy. So I'm going to have to give this to Richard Pryor. And you know what? I don't know Russell Peters, but if he thinks he's more important to comedy than Richard Pryor, then he's then he's probably great. But you're right; there, you there, there is a difference between groundbreaking and being great too, because I find that happens in every in every era of sports. You know what I mean? There's yeah. guys that just break through, but then I find like we won't let go. Like it's like you know, even in in the NBA, it's like you know, is Michael Jordan the best player? We all say yes because we're older. But is it really? Could it be really LeBron James? And there's there's the argument. So, you know, but you're looking at like. Mark Spitz was a phenomenal swimmer and was the first person to win seven gold medals in the Olympics. Yes. And like college kids can beat his time now. That's funny. Huh? That's true. Huh? That is true. All right. Got another one here. Robin Williams versus our buddy. Oh, man. Oh, really? Come on. <laughs> um, no. Before you, before you answer, let me. Go right ahead. I, honestly, I liked Robin Williams more than I, than I liked Bill Cosby stuff. You know. That All was right. me. That was me I don't. From, from growing up. You know, I always found Robin had a little, he was just a little fucked up in the head. You know what I mean? With the way he acted and moved and, you, you know what I mean? I, Where I felt Bill, I felt Bill was more just, mm, you know. Cerebral, more cerebral. His jokes mm. were not just. I don't know, man. I, I've never been a humongous Robin Williams fan. I just, don't get me wrong. He's funny. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, his quirkiness that you're talking about, I just wasn't, I wasn't drawn to that. That's mm-hmm. just me. I, you know, Omitting all of the history of all the Absolutely. terrible things that Robin Williams did in his life, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 
I, well, actually, he had a reputation among comedians as stealing material to, to the point where wow. if he hopped into a comedy club to, to try out material, the comedians on stage would stop doing the material and just like chat with the audience. Cause, and and I don't know if he did it deliberately or just he'd forget he heard something and think he wrote. That's a, that's a, a, a nightmare of comedians is mm. we think of something really funny and, and we worry it came to us too effortlessly. Did I hear that somewhere? <laughs> or did I my own? Mm. And I can give you an example of that. I, about five years ago, I woke up in the middle of the night. I had this vivid dream about this beautiful female comedian. Now, not a particular comedian. It was fictional, right? It was mm -hmm. a comedian I made up, but absolutely beautiful and telling this hilarious joke. And I woke up and I thought, because I was still half asleep, I've got to find out who she is. She's amazing. I want to meet her. And then my next thought was, oh, that was just a dream. You, you made her up in your sleep. Yeah. And then the next thought I had was, well, if I made her up in my sleep, then the joke she was telling, I also wrote in my sleep. Mm. But I had this fear that this was somebody else's joke, and that's why I had a dream about it. So before I did the joke on stage, like in a comedy club, I for six months, I would only tell it at open mic nights where it was just other comics, expecting somebody else to come up to me and say, you know, that's somebody else's joke. And they'd be <laughs> yeah. like, oops, sorry, I didn't know. And I'd stop. Never happened. And so, um, so that was to talk about, you know, the answer to the question is cut. Now, has it ever happened where jokes weren't stolen, but they're kind of similar? Because there's got to yeah. be things yeah. that like, you know, I thought about and you're, you're saying it a bit different. We call, it, we, yeah. we call it parallel development. And this okay. happens a lot on late night TV where you have the same set of facts, you know, the president says something and two or three late night hosts, you know, they each got a dozen writers come up with the same thing. And there was one night where there were, this is like 20 years ago, there were only three late night hosts at the time. Um, there was Conan, there was uh, Leno and there was Letterman. That's right. Mm -hmm. And they all had the same joke. It was when Dan Quayle put out a statement saying he was ruling out running for president in 1996. Mm -hmm. All three of them said he hasn't ruled out running in 1997. <laughs> was, so all of them came yeah. up with the same obvious joke. So it happens from time to time that comedians, and that's why they teach comics, make your jokes about you because if they're personal about things that happen to you, nobody else has your life experience. I like mm. that. I like but if your jokes are all just about, you know, I, I was in a donut shop and a cop walked in and this happened, you know, 50 people have thought of that. All right, we got one more versus here. We got some of the other, they're a little bit newer guys. We got Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura. You know, I'm not that familiar with either of them, but I just heard part of a podcast with Burt um, talking about uh, the monster. I don't know if you're familiar with that joke. No, no, no. Uh, it's a story where he goes to Russia. And he oh, doesn't speak. the machine. Sorry, not, not monster, machine. The, the machine, machine. Yeah, yes. Machine. And I just heard that. He's talking about it on a podcast that I'd never heard it before. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a great story. And then he's talking about how he can't do it. In, he didn't want to do it in a comedy club because he said it was 13 minutes long. Oh, they, they and that's too long a story. Yeah. But he proves if story can hold somebody's attention, it doesn't matter if it's Have you ever, you ever heard of this machine story? No. Dude, I'll send you a clip. He literally, okay. he's 100, Sean's 100%. He did not want to say, it is literally to the point where people are not leaving until this story is said. That's which how is, legendary. Is this which story. is a problem when you're a comic and like Robert Klein, who's, you know, I won't say my generation because he's you know 100 years older than I am. 
but he had a joke about jazz musicians and I can't stop my leg. And, you know, there, and, you know, cause he's on it. I'm mm-hmm. not to do Robert Klein's joke, but he's, he's show, he's standing on stage and his leg is jumping up and down like jazz musicians would do playing a harmonica. And then he's joking about the leg. Yeah. And people now want to hear that when they go see him. Like, but you already know the joke. I don't know. It's true. We know the story, but the guy has to come out and say it. Yeah. They, they have a podcast called Two Bears, One Cave. It's pretty funny. Uh, Tom Segura, I'm, I'm going to send you a link, uh, Sean, after this. He uh, He's playing basketball, and he goes for a dunk, and he literally slips and breaks his leg and tears his knee. You Ooh, have to. Yeah. You have mm. to. It is like. Like to the point where you hear the noise, you hear them all laughing, and then they're like, "Are you okay?" And his arms bent a certain way, but you, you see it in slow motion, and his knee was bent another. Way. Oh my god! Ooh. So this is video of him actually injuring himself. Yes, like, but it was like it was it was like, oh, go try and pull a dunk. So he goes and grabs the ball and he runs and he's about to jump and he just slips and you can hear the thump, just the bump, bump. And you're like, oh my god! And it, it was, yeah. Why and was this being videotaped? Uh, because it, it was a, it was a. Um, they were doing a little clip, a basketball clip, so they can play it on their on their podcast. Because you know, let's be realistic, oh. these two fat guys are not going to ever dunk a day in their lives, right? So it was trying to become a, like a bit of a joke, but it just ended up being a fucking complete disaster. Ooh. And then and then uh, Bert ends up going on a show to two bears one cave with Tom's wife and talking about like how miserable he was, and it was funny in, in the hospital and. You know, you know, he can't wipe himself and all that other stuff. But it was, it was fucking crazy, though. Wow. All right, we got another question from E Rock here. The closer to the audience, final impressions. Uh, impressions of what? The close. There's an audience final question of you. Do you have a favorite closer or one of the have we written? This? That's a good. Yeah, you. Question. They say they say to open with your second strongest joke and close with your strongest joke. But my strongest oh. joke is about three minutes long and i don't want to i'm trying to think of you know okay here's a joke it's maybe a minute long that i used to close with yeah um i talk about having before i was a comedian i had a day job in midtown manhattan and one friday before work i dropped my car off at the dealership for an oil change and when i walked in after work to pick up my car i heard the service manager whisper to one of his mechanics there's that crazy guy I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. He's brought his car in four Fridays in a row for an oil change, and he only drives 150 miles a week. What kind of moron pays for an oil change every 150 miles? And I walked up to the counter and I said, listen, I dropped my car off here at 8 a.m. because you told me you would change the oil for 1995. Now, the, the parking lot next door <laughs> i know i yeah. know yeah. early bird special charges <laughs> 35 dollars just for parking so i got one question for you which one of us is the moron <laughs> and it turns out it was me for opening my mouth because when i went back the next week an oil change was 40 dollars. <laughs> so that's what i used to close up that's awesome <sighs> all right so we usually go around we ask 10 quick random questions to get people to know you a little better so the first question would be, what was your favorite stand-up that you ever watched? Favorite stand-up? Oh, that's not so quick. I don't know. There's I a, mean, is there a special? Or is there one that's up seven out? dirty words was, was the George Carlin's seven dirty words was what everybody talked about. That dude's I know. He's genius. Yeah, yeah absolutely. First job ever. Um, first job ever was helping Mark Frischanti with his paper route. And then when he gave up the route, I got the paper route. Nice, nice. Favorite movie? Favorite movie? Um, growing up, I guess, 
Animal House or Dog Day Afternoon. And mm -hmm. if I want to be an adult, because Dog Day Afternoon was about a bank robbery and I was like 10 and realized I was rooting for the bank robber. And he realized, well, because the bank robber was sort of the good guy in the movie. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And it made me realize how powerful film can be because you can make people think, oh, the guy robbing the bank, I want him to. Mm. Uh, but also Casablanca, Maltese Falcon. There's a whole bunch of great Nice, movies. nice, nice. Favorite TV show? Favorite TV show of all time? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yours. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, God, I'd love to say 60 minutes. <laughs> um, here's the thing. The TV show I least liked um, was um, Married with Children because it was just stupid. But later on, I realized it was, actually, it was actually a breakthrough in TV mm -hmm. because it was literally the first truly unhappy family on television. You know what? That's true. Yeah, Ben loves that. loves that one. Uh, but, but favorite TV show? I, I used to love The Simpsons. I think after about twenty-five seasons, they sort of ran out of ideas. Yeah. But to go twenty-five seasons it's with incredible. such great TV. Mm -hmm. So, Sean, name me one thing that's on your bucket list. One thing you have to still do. I want to host a late-night talk show, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> keep working at it, man. We got to keep doing yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. What's your biggest pet peeve? Um, I like things to be efficient, and I know that's too big an area. But it no, just bugs me when things are run stupidly. Mm. Like, why don't they do it this way? People say, Sean, you complain. But I only really talk negatively about things that I can fix or that somebody could fix. So I get that. That's me every day at work. Yeah. <laughs> every fucking day at work. So besides comedy, what other hobbies do you have? Um, I like cooking. I like drinking wine. I, I actually have four barbecue grills out back. And I sometimes Ooh. throw Well, it's. It didn't start out that I wanted to. I only paid for two of them. Um, okay, but uh, and then my brother gave me one and my neighbor gave me one. But sometimes if I have 25 people over, you need that much grill space. Because one of the things I grill is corn on the cob. Mm. And corn on the cob takes up a lot of room. That's right. So And you can't, you can't even fill the whole grill with corn on the cob because it just brings the temperature down so much. Yeah. I soak them in water first. So I have to space them out. So that's like two grills right there. So I do like cooking. Mm. What's the biggest lessons you've learned so far in the business? Um, this is, I think the most important lesson and I learned this early. Don't be an asshole mm. yeah. because comedians, everybody, when they start out, they think we think we're funny and we think we're way funnier than we are. And I say to people, you have to get better to realize how good you're not mm. because you look back at last year and say, I thought I was funny then and I wasn't, but I, but now I'm funny. And then the next year you'd be looking back at this year thinking the same thing. So most comics get their breaks from other comics. And if you're an asshole, you shut down that avenue of getting exposure. There you go. I get that. I get that. So now yes or no to this COVID vaccination. I already got one. You already got it? Yeah. I got the first. Can you let, can you let people know, are you feeling all right? So they don't, I, you know, <laughs> It's a, first of all, it's a tiny needle. So if you're afraid of needles, I didn't. I felt more sensation with her rubbing the the alcohol on my arm than, than the needle, and I had zero side effects that and night. Maybe I was a little tired, but I couldn't attribute that to the vaccine. Now, is it how long ago was it your your first vaccine? Uh, week and a half. See, Ben, your wife got both. She both. She's got both. You know, she's still and alive? she's fine. Yeah, she's still alive. 
They have to be given his, his own vaccination. You know, I, 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 you know, we got into a little splat. We got into a little splat the other day, and I think it's contributed from the vaccine, you know, because she got a second shot, so she started shooting shots at me. You know, you motherfucker, I hate you. Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, not maybe not. Bro. <laughs> Were you cheating on her at the time? Why no, you... no, no. I was just being a dick, you know. No, <laughs> normal routine shit, you know. So, uh, what advice can you give the inspiring stand-up comics that's coming up? up yeah, up, upcoming. Well, everybody. Everybody gives the same advice, and it's right. It's yeah. basically stage time, stage time, stage time. You get better by going on stage. Yes. But I will say yeah. this. Work on your weaknesses, not your strengths. So, mm. when I started out in comedy, I was a good writer and a bad person. Former, mm -hmm. And I spent more time writing and less time performing because I was good at it and I liked it. Mm -hmm. What I really needed to do was work on getting on stage more. And I was on the rowing team in college. And as training for rowing, we would run or lift weights every day before practice. And the guys who were strong and good weightlifters spent more time in the gym lifting. And the guys who were runners, good runners, spent more time running. And it was, should have been the other way around. you got to yeah, work on what you're yeah. not good at. Mm -hmm. I get that. Got it. I get that. So hopefully you you know you're getting your second vaccination sometime soon. Hopefully COVID comes yeah. to an end. What's next for you? I really think that this country is just going to turn into one giant orgy whenever we vaccinate. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's, it's actually kind of true. Well, I haven't had a date in like over a year, so yeah. I think everybody's just going to be. I just need to touch lips. another human being. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> now, how like I, the COVID situation is it eased up? Because I remember here at first like. When I went to a supermarket, and is this was before the mask was mandatory, you know, there's some yelling at each other. How was it over there for you? I have no fucking idea because I haven't been anywhere in a year. Good for you. I've been, basically, well, I live I live in a place where I can get groceries delivered oh, or do curbside pickup, nice. and so that's easy. And you know, I go see my brother and his family because they're isolated and don't see anybody but me. So that's a bubble. Of okay, that's cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But. I mean, in New York, people are pretty good in most places. Actually, I have a friend who lives in Brooklyn, and she said where she lives in Brooklyn, there's a lot of jerks who won't wear masks. Mm. But people in Manhattan say people are wearing masks in Manhattan. Well, we know and people from Florida, and they're fucking they're just, they're, they're, just, they're buck yeah. wild over there doing their own thing. And I read uh, on the sports channel that the UFC is going to be hosting a full capacity event. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Well, man? some of them are going to get COVID, especially because now. Um, I used to give blood a lot because I have blood that that's in demand for premature babies. So okay. last year I gave blood five times, but then this year when the new um, the newer strains came out that are more contagious, I said I'm not ready to go into the blood center. That's one reason why I did everything I could to get vaccinated as soon as possible because yeah. I want to resume donating blood because there's a big shortage. Yeah. But to to pack people into an arena like that now yeah. is just crazy. Yeah, it's, it, I, I, was, I had to reread it. It was like, what? Like, you know what I mean? It was like, yeah, full capacity. And nobody will be wearing masks, I'm no, sure. No one will care. Everyone will be drunk, you know, yelling and spitting on each other. It's just the way it is. You know, so how can people find you? Um, my website is brainchampagne.com. Mm -hmm. And the reason I did that is because when I started in comedy, people would get their, their name as their URL, and, I'm, and it was 50 bucks a year for URL back then. Yeah, and I'm like nobody's gonna spell Sean right, so you got three spellings of Sean, and people would spell Eli that wrong. And there's six combinations. I'm not spending three hundred bucks a year for a URL, mm -hmm. so um, I wanted something memorable. And brain champagne rhymes. I think of stand up as sort of you know bubbles for your brain, and people remember it. And the reason to go to my website is not just for comedy videos, but there's 
50,000 words worth of jokes on my website, which is more than half a novel's worth of content. Oh, yeah, you were saying that's right. crazy, man. That's crazy. So a lot I just posted it. I just posted your, your website on all the... Oh. Thanks. on the comments and stuff to get you, you checked out so now sean how's it let's say me and bam vaccinations here we wanted to hire you how do we go about it we go through your website go to my website i love it i, I mean you it. could go to you could find me on facebook you can find me on twitter but my yeah. website makes it easy to contact me and uh the only thing about doing a show for the two of you is you're gonna have to be in the same damn city so one of you yeah, got to promote it, i'm not it, going to him It'll be fine. We, 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 we'll be in the same city. And don't worry. I'll send my brothers to come snatch you up. <laughs> so if you see four black guys run up on you, say, get in the car, bam, something me. You'll be all right. Don't worry. It's, probably, it's fine because it's probably a nicer car than I have. <laughs> yeah, actually, you probably would because, you know, he, he's got a 740, you know, BMW, you know. All right. You got a nicer car than I do. Fuck. <laughs> Love it, bro. Sean, thank you for taking your time, man, for shooting the shit with us. For uh, real, you know, we appreciate know, you, brother. We're going to be following you, man. You made us fans. Uh, we appreciate it. But anytime you want to come back on and promote something, let us know, brother. All right, because Eric wants Eric and Apu want me back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We'll do it up. Have a good night. All right. All thank right. You. Bye bye. Later. See you.